following talk is from New Community. For more information about New Community, check out newcommunitychurch.org.uk. Thanks for listening. It's great to see you. Warm welcome to New Community Church. If you're our guest here today, you're so very welcome. My name's James. I lead the team here. Uh, We've had a a slight change of plan of what we were planning to do today. Uh, Dave was supposed to be preaching, um, but he's uh, not very well, and so I got a phone call a little few not so long ago, and uh, can I step in, which of course... I was very willing to do so. So I've had loads of coffee, and uh, the Holy Spirit is good, and so we're going to see where we go. I have, uh, in terms of prep for this, I've just got some bits and pieces on my iPad. However, it's just flashed at me. said, battery, less than 10%. So this is Chris, who's just plugging it all in. So it's going really well. If you're a guest here... Like normally, I promise you, everything is really smooth and amazing. Uh, and, uh, and if you want to test that theory, come back next week. <laughs> um, so we're going uh, to be kicking off. Um, today was always supposed to be a standalone uh, sermon. And actually, we're going to be uh, starting a new series next Sunday. And uh, our new series next Sunday is basically going to be, we called it, we're giving it the sort of working title, An Honest Conversation About. And then over the next six, seven weeks, something like that, we're going to be talking, having an honest conversation about life, about death, about money, about power, and about sex. We're going to be talking about some of the the big topics of things which affect all of us. Uh, Every single one of us in the room is affected by life and by death. Every single one of us in this room is affected by power in terms of what we actually mean by that. Where do we receive power from? I don't mean like in a kind of Christianese, Holy Spirit kind of, that's where my power comes from. I mean addressing the whole idea of authority and power and pursuing that and what are we chasing and what are we living for. All of us, every single one of us in this room is affected by money in some way, shape or form. We either uh, don't have enough of it and are worried about it or we have too much of it and are worried about it or we, <laughs> or we are kind of thinking that if we had a bit more, everything would be right. We're going to address that whole thing and then obviously sex is, a, is a, just one of those topics that some people think you should not talk about in church and uh, that gives me every motivation to want to really talk about it because it's, it's an issue that, let's be honest, in our culture is massive and uh, the, the rate at which culture is changing and shifting and its perceptions and, and ideas about things which even up until a few years ago no one ever talked about uh, have, has, has just gone so rapid and we need to address it from a biblical perspective. And so we'll actually be spending two weeks talking about sex. Uh, and some of you, if you're thinking, oh, that sounds horrendous, uh, it might be. <laughs> But I encourage you to come along anyway. We need to be really clear what we believe. Uh, if we want to be a church that's built on the, on the foundation of the word of God, then we need to be really crystal clear about that. So I, I encourage you, come next week. I'll be kicking off the series. That'll be five weeks in a row of me. Sorry about that. The week after, it won't be me, I promise. Uh, and uh, we will um, get into this series, An Honest Conversation. Okay, I think I have power now, so thank you so much for that. I wanted today um, just address some stuff which I just felt God has kind of laid on my heart whereby it's this stuff that's been formulating in me that God's just, I feel, been speaking to me about that I was kind of considering doing a, a series on and probably will do at some point in the not-too-distant future, but just in God's sovereignty had an opportunity to address it and speak about it today. And there was, it all stems from this thing of just reading through Scripture, And you read through scripture and you begin to read through the New Testament and you begin to see that there was once a group of people who were so devoted to God, 
who was so devoted to his plans and his purposes, who as a result of being so devoted to him were so devoted to one another, who peeled off their masks of Sunday morning respectability and were incredibly honest with one another, lived out their lives in a context with one another where it was warts and all. There was no pretense. There was no kind of just everything is is hunky-dory and happy all the time. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. Or how are you doing? I know I'm not supposed to say that, so I'll say, well, life's a bit tough, but hey, God's good. And, And No, no, no. There was none of that. They peeled off their masks. They lived honestly, all out in front of everybody, living life together generously, so devoted to one another that they changed the very context of the culture within which they found themselves. And I began a few years ago just reading through. You can read all this whole story yourself. It's in the book of Acts. I'm not, I'm not hiding anything from you. You can read all about it there. And they be, I began a few years ago just reading this and going, does Jesus still save today? Does he still save people today? And I'm like, well, I'm standing here. This was never in my plan, never in my story, never, never wanting what I, never what I thought I'd get to. And so, yeah, he does. And most, every single one of you is a Christian in this room is your story too. Does Jesus save today? Yes, he does. Does he still heal today? Well, yes, he does. I believe that with all my heart. And so what we saw as we read through the book of Acts, what we can see, this transformation that occurred around the whole known world, could it be done once again in our day? Could it once again happen right across in our city? Could there be a community of faith that lives such radically distinct, bold, courageous, real, not perfect, not pretending everything's great all the time, real lives in such a fashion, in such a way that an entire city, an entire nation, an entire ultimately continent can be transformed. And a few years ago, as, as elders, we began a, to really just sense God was kind of beginning to transition us as a church from the way we have done things and given ourselves to for the best part of 40 years to what we felt he was calling us to in the future. And this was a, a few years ago, and we began to ask these kind of questions of one another. We began to ask, what is it that God has uniquely positioned us and called us to do? What, is, uh, what, are, the, what are the implications, the outworking of reading Scripture and looking at these verses that we see in, in Acts and the church that we see in the New Testament? What does that mean for us today? What do we need to adjust and change and, and move forward in and really emphasize and revisit and, and perhaps kind of start doing some things and stop doing things? What, what do we need to do? And as we began to ask these questions and as we began to sort the answers, we're just reading through Acts and we began to really see this is the story of the early church, but it's also our story too. And nothing in, in Luke's writing in the book of Acts suggests that that church life was abnormal. Luke in Acts 2 really does expect us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4, he really does expect us to form communities like the one in Jerusalem who loving one another, sacrificially serving one another, giving generously of our time, our money, our effort, our resources. He really does expect that our church would be one that boldly proclaims God's big story, boldly proclaims the gospel. He really does expect that we would prove what we say by seeing miracles take place. He really does expect us to to deal very firmly with those people who claim to be living this story, but really are living the story of the world. Those who claim to be following Jesus, and yet really in the way in which they act and do and say and things 
are living. He expects us to deal firmly with that stuff. Luke expect, wants to ex- us to expect to open up new nations to the gospel through our simple obedience of following his guiding hand. He really expects us to see dramatic conversions through our fearless witness. He really wants us to to expect God to propel us into new nations from where we are. He really wants us to to use us to help plant new churches across this area and, and Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and beyond to the ends of the earth. He really does want us to make sure we teach in such a way, Acts 15, to deal with theological confusion so people know what's what the word of God actually says and and not kind of getting pulled here, there and everywhere. And he really does want us to to stand firm. This is what all of Acts 16 through to 28 is. Stand firm in the face of hostility and persecution. We see all of those things throughout the book of Luke, Luke, Luke's book in the book of Acts. And so this is one of the things that we as elders began a few years back now to work out, because those things, most of those things are all in our DNA as a church. You've been around for 40 years, you recognize an emphasis on most of those things at some point, but we just felt God beginning to stir us for, for the new phase, the new story, of, if you like, the new chapters, if you like, of the story of new community, of what things do we need to change? What things do we need to emphasize? What things do we need to revisit again? How do we address issues that were fought for 30, 40 years ago in such a way as that we still make sure that we don't just take them for granted anymore? And so we began to make some moves. We actually started, some of you may or may not remember this, we did a teaching series called Culture Shift a number of years ago. And it was kind of this moment where we said, this is where we feel we're going and what we need to see some changes. And, and over the last three, four, five years, we've seen dramatic changes in the life of this church. Those of you who've just come in the last year or so will have seen, will not necessarily have recognized as much, but if you've been around for a while, this church has changed quite a bit. And we feel God has, has led us into this in terms of multiplication, in terms of being really serious about reaching out, in terms of mission, in terms of taking seriously this declaration to go and plant churches and, and declare the gospel and make disciples and have an emphasis on all of these things. And so we've been really serious about it and we've made changes as such. I'm not saying we've done it perfectly, far from it. We've made all sorts of mistakes as we've gone along the way. But fundamentally, we have seen evidence of God's gracious hand towards us on the way. And it's partly, to be honest, why we regularly refer back to these things. Why do we regularly talk into speaking into mission? Why do we regularly read? Why have we spent three whole weeks of saying, join this story, live this story, give yourself to community, really give yourself to growing as a disciple? Why do we regularly refer to these things and keep coming back to them? Why do we talk about building a multi ethnic church in the way we do as much as we do? Why do we emphasize worship as much as we do? Why do we talk about the Holy Spirit? Why do these, why do we keep regularly going on about them? Well, the reality is, is that you don't drift towards those things. You don't drift towards discipleship. You don't drift towards holiness. You don't drift towards building a church with people who are different from you. You don't drift naturally into being really honest in community. You're not intentional about any of those things. You're going to drift. And you're not going to drift towards pursuing the things of God. If you today are not living an intentional life, then you're drifting, and no one ever drifted into holiness. No one ever drifted into discipleship. No one ever drifted into proclamation of the gospel fearlessly and boldly. No one ever drifted into stepping out of our comfort zones in bringing spiritual gifts or anything else. We need to be really intentional about it. 
And today, what I want to just talk about in these few moments is an area which, I'll be really honest with you, we are never in a million years going to naturally just drift towards. We have to be really intentional about it. And this is the whole area of what we might call supernatural culture. And if you're, a, if you're a guest here today, you don't need to be weirded out by that. And what is he going to say? You can read it all in Scripture. We're going to just talk about it and address it today. But Acts 2, 42, very famous verses. Uh, we might even be able to get them on the screen because these guys are amazing. No, we're not. Okay, but you're still amazing. I love you. You're amazing. You've got a Bible with you. If not, trust me, this is what I'm reading. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. If you've been in church for more than five minutes, you'll have heard those verses. That's a description of church. There's a description of the community in Jerusalem of the early church and what they really gave themselves to. Verse 43 is where I want to land because often we read this and go, yeah, 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 and skip to the other bits that we feel a bit more comfortable with. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done. Amazing. I've just been living with this a little bit over a while, and think, as I said at the beginning, thinking, I think we need to address this for a series somewhere. And then I get a phone call, and I thought, hey, God, in your sovereignty, I'll hit it today. We need to, it's my contention, be a church that is based fully upon the word of God in everything we do. If you're a guest, if you're looking in, this is your first time in church, you can read all about what it should be like in this book. All right, We're not trying to make something up here. We're saying, listen, we want to align what we're doing with what we believe the word of God says. And in one of these areas which we just can't skip, we just can't ignore, we can't just move on from, is the whole thing of what we might describe as building a supernatural culture where we see many wonders and signs being done. We see this in the early church. The early church, it all begins, this whole thing of seeing the supernatural culture, of seeing uh, of breaking out signs and wonders, it all begins with Jesus himself. He proclaims the gospel with words, everything I was talking about last week, but he backs it up with signs and wonders. He didn't perform his miracles just as neat magic tricks to draw a crowd. He performed his miracles because he wanted a demonstration, a tangible sign. That's what the Bible, the New Testament calls his miracles, signs, because they point somewhere. Whenever you go anywhere, signs point you in somewhere. It's not the destination, it's pointing you somewhere. And everything that Jesus performed, all his miracles, all his signs, were a decoration of, I have said that I'm the bread of life, that those who feast on me shall never go hungry. Let me show you that, that, what that is, and that's why he dis multiplied bread and loaves and fed everyone. I have all authority that even one day everybody, all the dead, will be raised to new life. So he raised the dead as a demonstration of, listen, what I'm saying is not just words. I have power to back it up. We see that through Jesus. And then we see with, uh, from the early church, Jesus then sends out his people 
the early Christians, his disciples, says, you go and do it. You go and do it. Now, you can just imagine, put yourself in a moment thinking, yep, okay, signs and wonders, all that stuff. We've got Jesus with us. That sounds like fun. I'll go wherever you go, Jesus. You do that. Someone's dead. It's okay. He'll raise them to life. Someone's ill. It's okay. He'll heal them. Someone needs some miraculous, uh, dramatic healing or kind of deliverance or something. Something's going wrong. Hey, Jesus, just step forward, buddy, and, and do your thing. And you, that would be great fun. And then he says, I'm off. So, whoa, 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 hang on a minute, how does that work? That doesn't necessarily seem like a very good move to me, Jesus. You want us to do signs and wonders. You want us to, to declare your gospel with words and then back it up. We kind of need you. You're the guy who does it all. And Jesus says to them in John uh, 16, he says, listen, I'll tell you the truth. It's better for you. It's to your advantage, he says, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus says, listen, yep, of course, it's cool having me hanging around, but listen, I'm going, and it's actually better for me to go because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and I'm now expecting you to go and do all those things. Whoa, hang on. Just get that for a moment. Jesus did all this stuff. He says, now you go and do it. And you say, well, great. If you're backing me up, I'll, I'll give it any go. And then he says, no, no, no. It's better for me to go because I'll send the Holy Spirit. And we see immediately what, the, what the, uh, the, the early church did. They just gave themselves to this. It was commonplace every single day, seeing people healed and saved and added and, and miraculous things. They moved in signs and wonders, not because they were declaring something of themselves and saying, come and join our club, but because they were saying, Let's look at this. This Jesus, the one whom we follow, the one whom we adore, the one who is the king of all kings, he's the one who has all authority and all power. I'm just telling you that, and now I'm going to back it up with some signs and wonders. They were all about him, glorifying him. Everything they did pointed to Jesus, that he is the king on the throne. And as we've just read in, in Acts 2, uh, verse 43, many signs and wonders happened. It was very normal. You go into Acts 3, just flick over into Acts 3, and, and Peter and John, there's a lame beggar there, and they say to him, he's like, he says, give us money. And they say, I have no silver and no gold, but what I do have, to, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. Pretty much he definitely did it like that, singing that song. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, praise Jesus you weren't in Sunday school 20 years ago. Immediately they said, listen, I can't do anything, but I know one who can. In his name, rise up and walk. Backed it up with the words. He went. He did. Acts 4, we see this moment where the church are receiving incredible persecution, incredible hardship and difficulty. And what they do, they gather together for a prayer meeting and they say, hey God, give us great boldness. And in verse 29 of Acts 4, it says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place in which they'd gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. There was just this expectation in the early church that normal people like you and I, filled now with the Holy Spirit who has been poured out and given to us, would go and do the very things that Jesus said you would go and do. And they would see amazing, incredible things Happened. There was an expectation of signs and wonders. There was an expectation because when they hung out with Jesus before he ascended to heaven, that was what they expected to happen because it did. They hung out with him. They saw him do it. And there was an expectation that now because he's present with them by his spirit, well, nothing's changed. Jesus has come. 
He's returned. The Holy Spirit is not this kind of whoa, moment. It's, hey, now I was with you in this localized setting here. Now I'm with you wherever you go to the ends of the earth at any one time. Jesus is present. If he walked through the door right now in tangible physical form and said, right, high street, let's go. Let's heal some people. We would all be out the door straight away. Okay, let's see what happens. He says, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. I've sent my spirit. I've poured him out into you. It's not something you have to work at receiving. It's not something you have to... We'll come to that in a moment, but I'm with you. That was their expectation. We see it all throughout the, the early church. Normal Christianity. Because Jesus is alive, things happen. And Jesus is still alive, and so things should happen still. And so I want to just address us as a church right now in our culture where we're at and what we see and going on. Because I don't want, I'm not having a downer on us. Okay? This, I'm not wanting to criticize us at all. I'm not wanting to, to kind of beat us up in any way, shape, or form here. This is not necessarily at the moment our expectation that every single day, or experience, sorry, that every single day we're seeing miracles occur and we're seeing the dead raised and we're seeing the lame walking and we're seeing the blind seeing and we're seeing all of those things. I'm not sure in, in European context that there is tons and tons of that stuff going on. There is pockets, there are moments, there are places, there are things that happen, there are stories you see. And yet, if we want to build a church that is based on this stuff, it's my conviction that we should be seeing this. We really should be. And we've got two options, are we not? We can kind of go, well, let's just skip over verse 43, skip over those bits and go, oh, that was for then. Or we go, listen, God, would you do something in our day? Now, I'm not having a downer on us. This church was birthed in the spirit for 40 years. We've been serious about it. It's very part of our DNA. We want to be a word and spirit church. We want to be a church that's fully alive with the things of God. We're a church that is this serious about the presence of God. Our worship is Godward in that sense. We're saying, God, would you be glorified and send your spirit? We want to, uh, don't, we don't kind of have a review meeting of, of, uh, of our Sundays and go, well, the lighting was good and the band sounded good and everything tick. Happy about that. I mean, I'm, I am more happy when it does sound good than when it doesn't, but it, that's not what we're about, fundamentally. Not just about drawing a big, large crowd in each of our venues. We're about, passionate about people who don't know Jesus, knowing Jesus, knowing the fullness of Jesus, experiencing the fullness of Jesus, and then helping other people do the same. And that's this. That's this stuff. That's where we're at. We, we've, we've got a history of it here in this church. We're not a kind of personality-based church. It's not all just on one person. It's not just all about like the name of the people. I don't, I don't care about the names of the people up here. I mean, it's a joy when somebody writes something, an email or whatever, and, and spells my name wrong and gets it totally wrong. I think, good, no one actually knows how you spell my surname. That is really quite a good thing. It's because it's not about me. It's about the name of Jesus. It's about his fame. It's about his glory. And, and part of the way he receives that is these moments, the declaration of the gospel, backed up with these moments of signs and of wonders that point to Jesus. And we're a church that's growing and increasingly diverse and people are bringing their, their own experiences, their own flavors, their own whatever. And so the way we've always done things is, has changed. And it is changing and it needs to change more. I've talked about this uh, a lot in terms of our diversity and things. People are bringing their different experiences and this, that and the other. But I don't want to take it for granted. People, oh, Holy Spirit, yes, I know about him. No, no, have you experienced the fullness of who he is? 
you experience the, the, the life-giving reality of being filled with the, the glory and the presence and the beauty and the majesty of God himself. He's our counselor. He's our helper. He's the one who comes alongside us to enable us to live this Christian life. And he's the one who gives us the power to see these signs and these wonders declared. So I want to spend in these next few moments, and then we're going to come and pray together, some keys, I think, to building a culture where many signs and wonders are being done. So being a church as a context where God really would, Acts 3, stretch out his hand to heal and signs and wonders being performed. And, and God, my heart's desire, Acts Two, that daily the Lord would add to our number. And I think it starts with a diagnosis of our own hearts. Each one of us. Starts with a, a diagnosis of, of where we're at with this. Because some of us, if we're really honest, when we hear these kind of things, cynicism comes. And cynicism doesn't do anything but rob and steal and destroy. Cynicism creeps in, in naturally. You drift towards cynicism you drift towards, well, yeah, I've heard that, mm, not sure. <coughs> not so. And all cynicism do, does is rob and destroy. Where's your heart at today? With a, if there's a cynicism in it, we can say, well, it's a healthy bit of cynicism. It helps keep people accountable. I'll be honest with you. I used to say things like that, and it's an idiotic thing to say. It, cynicism doesn't help anything. Cynicism robs faith it pulls down rather than building up. It destroys, it crumbles. It, it's just got no place in a healthy, biblical church that we're trying to build. Some of us need to deal with our cynicism. I've been through it in my own life, dealing with it. And do you know what? It's wonderfully liberating to come out the other side no longer cynical about things. To actually believe about stuff. To actually go for it. Cynicism, diagnosis of our own heart starts with recognizing that. Some of us have got past experiences that we need to work through on. We've been in some wacky contexts which have just made everything wrong and weird and gone, oh, so not up for that. And some of it was probably weird and wacky and really wrong and needs to be dealt with and just, right, okay, let's move on with that. Some of us have had past experiences of stuff where we probably have got a little bit of bitterness or whatever in our hearts and need to deal with some forgiveness related to some of these things. I'm just throwing some of these things out there. I just felt God lay on my heart. Some of us, if we're honest, have fear comes in. Fear of failure. Well, I can't really do that because I don't think it's actually going to work. Fear of rejection. If I offer to pray for that person or I offer to step out in that or whatever, it's just, they're just going to think I'm a fool. I'm, I'm, there's no way I'm going for that. Some of us are just scared of people. Fear of man, the Bible calls it. How, are you, how do you know you've got that? When you know you feel God's put something on your heart and to bring it in a public meeting or to share with somebody or whatever, and you don't. Why don't you? Because you're worried about what people might think. That's fear of man. It's got no place. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not knocking it. I'm saying in, we've got to deal with that. I don't want to build a church where people are scared of making a mistake, of stepping out, of trying something, of going for it, and well, people will think this of me. Well, who cares? We've got to get over that. Right, we've got to stop worrying about those. Some of us have, if we're, if we're honest, a lack of expectation on these things. Just don't, don't, in my daily life, do not expect this at all to ever happen. So I don't even pray about it. We've got to get change that. There's got to be an expectation that God give me an opportunity today and then the courage to take it and go for it and, and, and see what happens. Some of us, if we're, if we're really honest, 
don't think this includes us. Sitting there listening, going, well, okay, that sounds interesting, but that's not for me. No, 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 it is for you. And not because of anything that you have ever done, or not because of anything that you, any gifts or skills or whatever that you have, but because you are a son or a daughter of God. And so many of us have a problem of, 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 of stepping out in these things because at root we have a lack of understanding of our identity as loved by the Father who absolutely delights in us and loves us and pours everything out for us and wants all the best for us, not because of anything we've ever done, but because of everything that Jesus has done for us. You are loved with an everlasting love right now with all your fears, with all your faults, with all your failings, with all the good things about you and all the mediocre things about you and all the things that you hope no one ever knows about you. You are still loved. You are a son. You are a daughter. And the implication of that is that you have access to everything that the Father has to give. And he says, listen, it's all there for you. I just want you to step into it. I want you to believe it. Some of us even now are discounting ourselves. It's not, um, no, 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 this is for you because of what Jesus has done. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. He wants to give it to you. Every good gift comes from him, and he wants that. Some of us, if we're really honest, need to search our hearts because we have kind of made it about ourselves in some way. I look good. You're never going to look good. People will know things. Uh, people, oh, I, I pray for this person and that happened. Well, listen, it's not about you. It's not about your name. It's not about the name of New Community Church. It's, it's about the name of Jesus. And when we live our lives for his glory and for his glory alone, <laughs> then he begins to use us and begins to... Uh, put us in situations and contexts where we just lay down the sense of this is about me in any way, shape, or form. So it all starts, if we want to be, build a church culture, it starts with each of us, start with myself, diagnosing our, our own hearts. Where are we at in all of these? What are our expectations? What are our kind of thoughts? Where are we, where are we at in understanding this? And then the second thing what needs to come to is a place of faith for it. A place of faith, of actually believing that, no, I really am a child of God. I really am expected to step out in these things. I really, God really will back me up in each of these things. I really will, as I, as I believe, as I pray for people, as I step out in faith, he really will come and do stuff. We need faith for it. How do we get faith for it? Well, it starts and it ends right now, not in an experience, but in the word of God. We need to soak ourselves in the word of God. You're cynical, you need to soak yourself in the word of God. You have doubt, you need to soak yourself in the word of God. You have fear, you need to soak yourself in the word of God. You're not really sure or confident in this kind of stuff. You're thinking, is he, even what he's saying, is that actually even real? You need to soak yourself in the word of God. We need to be a, a people of word and spirit. It all starts here. This is the foundation. You need this in you in order to come out of you. You need faith. To, faith primarily comes not by seeing things but by believing. How do we believe? Because we read the very word of God that gets into us and changes us and shapes us. We need to be a people who give ourselves to living by the word of God, reading it, soaking it. It's the place where it all starts. And as we do that, faith comes. We need a rise of expectation and faith right across the church. It starts with each one of us, not the person next to you. It starts with you. It starts with every single one of us with that sense of a genuine expectation and faith that this stuff that is written in here is not consigned to history, is not things to read about and go, well, that sounded fun. It's stuff to live out right here, right now, where we are. Faith, Hebrews 11 says, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Well, when I see it, I'll believe it. 
When I see that person do it, when I see the first thing, no, 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 faith doesn't work like that. Faith comes from having a deep inner conviction of things not seen. It wouldn't be faith otherwise, would it? We need that. It comes from the word of God. We need, a reality is we need to learn increasingly sensitivity to the spirit. We've got to see what, what's God doing? What's the father doing? And then we join him doing it. So often we kind of, I need to make this happen. No, you don't. He's already working in the world. He's already calling men and women to himself. He's already doing remarkable things that you'll probably never, ever see or imagine. We need to just learn a sensitivity to it. And how does that come? How do you learn a sensitivity to the Spirit? It starts with reading this, learning to hear his voice, learning to get that in you, and then praying, God, give me an opportunity today. Open a door to me today. Give me a, a moment today. Show me how you are moving today. And then joining in. That's how it comes. There's no magic trick to it. It's not like, well, we just all sit in a meeting and wait and something happens. No, no, no. Get yourself full, filled up with the things of God. Pray a bold prayer of God, use me, and then have the courage to go for it. Because that's the next thing that we need to learn, develop this opportunity to in, within us to, to get out of our comfort zones. We're never going to see much happen if we just stay within the familiar of what we know. We're never going to see, if you always do as you always did, you always get what you always got. I have no idea who said that, but they're a very wise person. You want to see something happen, you want to see a sick person healed, you've got to pray for him. You want to see God use you in, in prophetic things that will unlock things in people's life, you've got to put yourself in a position where you might get it wrong. I've prophesied things over people. And I usually write them down. Just come back and pray about that. I'll be straight up at this moment. There's one or two things that I've prophesied over people. I think, God, please do something because this is looking remarkably like I might have got that one wrong. And here's the thing. When we prophesy over people, when we're bringing those kind of things, we're there to build up. So if I've got it wrong, as long as I'm doing it in line with Scripture in the sense of of, of wanting to build someone up, not to knock them down, I'm not prophesying, God says you were going to die if you don't. No, not not bringing that. We're bringing this. I just feel God's encouraging you with this. I just feel if I've got it slightly wrong in those moments, as long as I'm doing it with the intention of building up, then the worst that's going to happen is that person's encouraged and I'm learning to hear the voice of God more and more and more. Cynicism comes in at this moment. Oh, so you're just making things up. No, no, no. I'm, I'm learning to hear the voice of God. I don't always get it right. Sometimes I get it wrong. But that's part of growing and learning. And if you never step out of that comfort zone of going, I want, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to pray. It's exactly the same with healing. It's exactly the same with other things. I just feel there's a word of not, but you got the right foot that's wrong. I mean, you, like if they've got a foot problem, you've got a 50% chance that you, it's the right foot. And <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm not making a mockery of it. I'm just saying we need to learn a sensitivity that comes and then a confidence to be okay with getting it wrong. And that's where it comes right back to how I started with there was once a community of people who loved one another so clearly and lived their lives so honestly and so masks off and not trying to build one themselves up but trying to build others up and trying to encourage others. That's where it starts because we have that. Then this comes because it's okay. Prophesy, you get it wrong, it's okay. Step out and pray for someone believing in healing and they don't get healed, it's It's okay. Doing it in the name of Jesus, that's the final thing. We come to this place of, it's not about us. 
If we make it about us, it's never going to happen. It's never going to get anywhere. It's not going to bring any glory to God. We need to be a people who get fully motivated about the glory of God. Who get fully motivated to live our lives in such a way as to exalt him with everything we've got. To give him glory with everything we've got. That in any way, shape or form, it begins to make about us. We go, no, 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 it's nothing to do with me. It's about the name of Jesus. Not in a kind of false modesty, don't talk to me. But in a kind of, no, 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 let's bring glory to Jesus. And when we do that, when we say, I am prepared in the context of community to look like a fool... For the sake of the glory of Christ, so be it. I am prepared to step out of my comfort zone and prophesy or pray or bring some other spiritual gift or whatever it is in such a way that if this all goes wrong, I could very well look stupid for the rest of my life. But if it goes right, the name of Jesus is going to be glorified. And when we have that, even then when it goes wrong, the name of Jesus is still glorified. It's not like, on you, get it right, make sure you go, otherwise, no, 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 no. We do it in the name of Jesus. We come with a humble spirit. We come with a sense of glorifying him, not ourselves. We come with a sense of, I don't care what other people think about me, not in a natural, I don't care what you think, Mm, stuff you. In a sort of, no, no, I'm so secure in my identity in Christ as a son or a daughter who is forgiven and free and loved with an everlasting love, who is fully convinced and persuaded because I've spent all this time that he really does want to use someone like me with all my flaws and all my junk and all my issues and all the problems that I have and and all the, the, the ways in which I'm exceedingly useless at everything. I'm talking about myself here when I become fully persuaded despite all those things. In fact, because of all those things, he wants to bring glory to his name as by using someone like me. Then we put ourselves in a position for God to receive all the glory and to see some miraculous kingdom advance and growth. We need to be a people who become fully persuaded by the things of God. We need to become a people who overcome a sense of cynicism and doubt. And Hey, listen, healthy, I'm not saying you should never doubt anything. Doubt is, is kind of perfectly healthy in many ways. The antidote to it, the, the answer is not to go, well, it's never going to happen then. It's to get ourselves more full of this. <coughs> to, to give ourselves fully to what it says in here. And say, Lord Jesus, use me. Chris, can you come back? We've got like 20 minutes. And we're going to just respond right now to God. And I literally, because I only thought about this about three hours ago, have no idea what's going to happen next. And that's all right. We're not going to hype anything up. We don't hype up the Holy Spirit. He comes down. (laughs) We're not going to try and manipulate something. In this situation of context, I'm just coming now before God, saying, God, I want to take you at your word. That as we glorify you, as we lift you up, you come and meet us. And you come and change us. And you come and encounter us. And you come and transform us. You see, I just want to get this really clear. It's not about what happens in here so much. What happens in these four walls is important, but it's not so much what happens in here, but it starts from this place in here. It starts from an encountering Jesus and saying, Lord, I'm just going to lay it all out before you right now. I want to respond to you and to you alone. Use me. Thanks for listening to this talk from New Community. For more information about New Community, 
check out newcommunitychurch.org.uk.